this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. I even pray now that you guys receive the message that God has bestowed upon me to share with you. A little bit leaks into our Friday night message. And I praise God because I was wondering about the continuation of the message, but definitely he then had me to take the same message but look at it from Mary's perspective. And so, welcome to Top Quality Face Ministry. Wow. You know, I thank God for the opportunity to come before you to be able just to speak what the Spirit of the Lord is saying through me unto you. But most of all, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to share your word. But I ask right now in Jesus' name that as the word go forth, everyone that hears this word cease from their preparation and truly crucify themselves that you may be able to take over Lord as I listen intensely to you right now I look to hear your voice Not only do I look to hear your voice, we look to hear your voice. What you're saying to this house. And not only to hear your voice, but to know that you're present in this place. So I asked you before we even go forward, are you here? Thank you, Lord. And even as you are in this room, let us embrace every aspect of you. Thank you. And understand what you're calling for. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I start this message off as an individual and I'm all sure all of you guys have walked in this particular place that I have been walking every time I have an event or something that I have to do to bring others in I look to make my best presentation ever. And when I say my best presentation, 
I take into account of how many people are going to be in a place and I don't look to just provide a meal. I say, I want them to have a good meal. And so I'm going to make absolutely sure that there's enough food to go around. And in many cases, I find myself over prepping, over preparing, over doing things to where I have more than abundance. And then when I begin to look because I'm sure many of you guys have been in that place. You then will go out and you will survey the land, which is your friends, and you say, hey, are you coming? Are you coming to the event? And you get all of these, yes, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And so you make sure you're ready a meal for them, right? You're not only ready a meal, but you have things in order and set for these individuals to come because this is a feast. You're inviting them to this beautiful feast that you have put together. And then all of a sudden, your invitation list ends up shrinking. You can't pull back the food. And you're reluctant to even reach out beyond your comfort zone to invite others in. That's what I love about our Lord. He reaches beyond his, our, his, our comfort zone and invites others in. And so as I was looking at this particular message today, he said, I want you to talk about how you go about preparing things. Again, I make sure I have enough for everybody. And I want to make sure that it's well thought out. And not only well thought out, but it includes the people I want to sit with, the people I want to entertain, the people that are dear to my heart. And even if they're not dear to my heart, these are individuals that my family tends to cling to. And so, as I sit back and I think about preparation, he told me to re remember and I remind you guys of a situation that Glenn and I had. And I will make you guys laugh. I was pregnant with cinnamon. And we didn't really realize that we didn't know nobody. And so we had this huge baby shower. And only four people showed up. And as we began to look back on the day, and we began to look backwards, I remember Glenn saying, oh my God, we have made preparation with all this stuff because we had a whole bunch of stuff. And nobody's coming. I recall two of my coworkers being there, but I don't recall anybody else. You know, family, you don't count because family is family. And then even in that, I don't even recall my family showing up. Probably had a beef with them or something. <laughs> I don't know. Okay? But whatever it is, 
It didn't happen, and, and my plans didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out. Doesn't mean that we didn't have everything for my daughter. We had everything in abundance uh, for my daughter. And I sit back and I make you guys laugh. Now the second child, we didn't plan for this one and we had three baby showers. Okay? One was done by the office, which was overflowing and abundant. The next one was done by my family, and another one was done by church members. And it was abundant to where I can recall sitting back saying, I need to give half of this stuff away because it was too much. What was the difference in the two? One the Spirit of the Lord was upon it, and he made total preparation. The second one, the first one, it was Glenn and I. And so the Lord was saying, let's look at preparation. Let's look at it. And so can somebody pull up, can you pull up just the birth of Jesus? I want you to show the history of his coming. Because I think there's something in there that we always tend to look at it and skip it because there's a whole bunch of names you don't know how to say. And so the Lord is literally saying, I want you to go back. And I want you to look at the preparation that is going forward before I get here. And then I want you to turn around and I want you to look at Zachariah again. And then I want you to take an opportunity to look at Mary. But I want you to look at the different responses. But as you look at these different responses, I want you to pay attention to your own response. But as you're paying attention to your responses, I want you also to pay attention to your preparation. talked about these three particular situations because I'm always making preparation. You guys are always making preparation for something even if you don't even recognize you're making preparation. And when as you're making preparation or you're including him or do you just do it on your own looking for that great result to come forward? And so in this particular situation, he wanted me to point out Mary. She gets this beautiful greeting from Gabriel, the archangel. And in that greeting, it begins to overflow because she understood the greeting. And not only did she understand the greeting, but she understood the preparation that was put before she even got the greeting. And so the Lord was saying to me, her preparation don't look no different than ours. The work that goes into what he's calling each one of you do, to do is no different than the preparation he put forth for Zachariah and Mary. 
He even showed me Stephen as he was stoned, and he said that preparation was exactly what it was supposed to be. He took me further, and he showed me Paul, the same preparation. Every single person was called, and they have a certain task that they're required to do. And the preparation leading to that, whether it may have been the parents giving birth to the children, or the children itself standing for the things of God. Preparation is there. But in that preparation, it's so important that we include God, and not only include him, but literally allow him to do what he does best, set things in order. And that's where a lot of times we're so busy trying to add that we fail to see that he's already done the work. And so as he was showing me, me preparing for two different uh, births of uh, children, the first one, God had to do it because we didn't know nobody. And we probably would have saved so much money if we had recognized we, the two of us didn't know nobody. It was like, we're not sociable people. We don't know people. We're inviting people that we don't really know. And we're expecting them to come to an event and we don't know them. And then the second one, he did all the preparation. He did all the work, and he got the result. And that's what he's trying to get us to see, that he's already did the preparation. We gotta stop trying to work for God and let him do the work that is necessary to bring everybody into the place that they're supposed to be. You know, and our work is all important. Maybe you were sent here just to speak to one person. That's very important. And the reason why it's so important, because you don't know what that one person's going to do. Maybe that one person has a spirit upon him that is John the Baptist or Elijah or something along the line, and you're the one that stops to touch and engage that person to come into the place and where he answers the call upon his life. One thing I love about this is like a basketball. You know, you get assists for everything you do. So for the things that other people do, you get credit, even though you're not doing the work. And so it's so important that we hear what he's saying right now. And so let's go into all the nice names. <laughs> Matthew chapter 1. This yes. is the genealogy of Jesus. Of course. This is the genealogy, genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. <laughs> Amminadab, the father of Nashon. 
Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother is Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. Let me stop. Let's go back to Rahab. What do you guys know about Rahab? She was the prostitute. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, do you see what she did? Very little, right? But yet it was so great. And, and, and some of us miss the greatness that's in us. It looks like nothing, but it's great. And that's what he was trying to get me to make sure I pull out in this message. Stephen dying. It looked small, right? He passed away telling the truth. He was stoned. But look how many people turned around and believed. When you look back and you say, oh my God, she hid away spies, Rahab. She hid away spies and in hiding away spies, wow, look what her life looked like. Do you see that? Look what her life looked like. Who else can we think about? that looks so simple, but yet so great. And, 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 the mic is there. So I think it's... Um, so over the last couple of years when I've been reading and really learning about who these folks are and their life story. You know, these are really messed up people in some way that we would, this is like a, a big soap opera. Um, yeah. <laughs> if we wanted to really do a movie or something like you know, we, we would, this is like the most scandalous things that ever happened. So Tamara was the, um, she was the daughter-in-law of Judah and she pretended to be a prostitute so that she could get pregnant because all of Judah's sons that she married died. And one of them was like, they were evil, so God struck them dead. One of them didn't want to have kids with her because of the inheritance, it wouldn't be his kids, it would be his brother's kids. And so he didn't want to give his final son to her to marry because he didn't want that kid to die. So he slept with his daughter-in-law and then he was going to have her killed, and then she showed him, well, you're the one who slept with me, so these are your kids. And so that scandal led to Jesus. A prostitute led to Jesus. People who were not um, Hebrew, you know, because she wasn't either. She was a Canaanite, I believe. And then there's so many in there um, that are on the line. And so, um, yeah, as, as you keep going, it's, it's just so many. Yeah, because when you stop to look, because you keep looking at your life and you say, well, what about my life? It's insignificant. But it also makes you look at your life and you'll stop trying to fix it. Because it clearly shows in this particular order that God accepts you for who you are and he not only accepts you for who you are, but he makes preparation. 
thought, you're probably worst thing that you can ever imagine that you could ever have done. And he uses it for his good. And that's why he was literally saying to me, I need you to walk backwards to show them who they were. Because who they were are similar to who some of you guys are today. And he says, and you probably put no value on your life. He said, neither did they. But I'm the one that deemed them to be just and right in my eyes, such as I deem you to be. And he's literally saying to you that it's not about what you've done. It's about who I am and what I've done for you. And so as we continue to look at them, anybody else want to say something about one of them? Who else? Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, he was, he literally disregarded his son, King David. And, you know, oftentimes I hear parents thinking of themselves of not being a good parent. And Jesse wasn't a good dad to his son, King David, but yet he still brought him forward. <laughs> yet God still gave him, you know, someone that he valued, King David, as a child. And his name is still written here and accounted for. So. And so, you know, I look at King David because he's somebody that I go to all the time when I'm struggling. And the main reason I go to him wasn't a good parent. Just making sure that you understand. He literally just, you know, had children. And the one that he did favor, he favored for the wrong reason. And, and, and when you stop to really begin to look at him and you see him, he's making mistakes after mistakes, but he's constantly still walking. His love for Christ is greater than anything you can ever imagine. And he's caught up in all these <laughs> shenanigans, I'll say. But yet God still loves him and uses him. And sometimes it looks like how I am caught up in a whole bunch of shenanigans, but God still loves me and uses me. Anybody else? See somebody out there that you can identify with and recall that, oh my God, this person. If not, let's go ahead and move into Luke 1. The birth of Jesus or of Zechariah? Which part? He said Luke 1. Luke 1 is the Zechariah or the Jesus Bible study. Oh, did you talk about, did you talk about Tamar? Yes. No, we didn't. Somebody she, didn't come to the did. mic. Oh, she did. She did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. to something like that. About to something like that. Yes. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, think, I think as you look at these people, it's so important that you think, you know, because you're like, oh my God, they're being honored. But you never stop and you look at your life like, oh my God. How could he even use me? I messed up here, there, and there. And he's like, oh my God, you're being honored. <laughs> but how many, how many of them were in Mary's bloodline? Microphone. Microphone. They were both. 
Remember, we're oh. recording, so they have to hear you, so you have to come closer. Yeah, pass the to you. Depends on if you have an answer. <laughs> I didn't hear the question. It's the bloodline of Mary compared to the bloodline of Joseph. But, but they're all. Even if we go to the other. Joseph and Mary are one. Exactly. No. Luke chapter 1. Verse 1, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And let's move past the birth of John the Baptist. So this is still an orderly account of what transpired. And so we're moving from um, Zechariah, and now we're at the birth of Jesus. And so as we begin to look at this particular story, what really, really stands out is, again, here's an individual that has taken the time to search out everything and to bring forth a great, true understanding of what happened. And so that means he went from place to place and place to truly interview people who were on the scene and to make absolutely sure he had a full understanding of what transpired. And, and, and in that, he was able to bring forth this to us. And so as we begin to look at this particular part of the story, I want to make sure that you guys see what God is trying to get us to see. And so we're going to go to Mary, but then we're going to back up to Zachariah because the Lord wanted me to go into Mary's story and just listen to the greeting here. Verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Let me stop it right there. And so as I was listening to the greeting and I was listening to the Lord, he said she was troubled by the greeting. And, and the greeting was, You are highly favored. He said, listen to what was said here. You are highly favored. He said, would not you be troubled by that greeting? Would you even dismiss the greeting? Because 
because you don't see yourself as one that is highly favored. He said, but yet you are in me, highly favored. He said, get them to take that in. I'm highly favored by my Lord. He said, can you receive that even now? He said, are you one to accept this greeting? He said, now that you have accepted the greeting, let's walk through her journey. And as she, you, you're envisioning, see Gabriel, see him arrayed and full of God's presence, standing before you. And, and as we look at this, I want to back you guys up because I really want to make sure that you understand who Gabriel is. Take me back to Zechariah where Gabriel speaks. So who is Gabriel? Verse, I read from verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Let me stop it right there. Who's Gabriel? You do. He's an archangel. And what does he do, you guys? I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you. So, so what did he do? He stand in the presence of God. 
So he's watching everything that's going on in heaven. So he's seen all the plans. And he has insight. Of everything. He knows the ins and the outs and the working of the father. As well as the son. And so understanding this he was given the message to go to two individuals and to share with them what's to come and so as the Lord was showing me this particular story So in understanding that, he gets instruction to go and to have conversations with these individuals and to give them insight or to speak into them what's to come. Now in today's environment, how is this, does this take place in today's environment? Who gives us instructions? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And who's the majority of time who he sends? Prophets. Prophets. Do you guys get that? Mm -hmm. So sometimes your task is not insignificant, especially if you're called to, to be a prophet. Your job is to deliver the message such as Gabriel unto those who are called by God. I don't think that's a little job. I think that's more than a big job. And some of you are called teachers and you're required to teach the word of God to those who have received the message. And if you are considered to be that one to pray, you're to pray for those who are called to go forward. So again, nobody's job is insignificant. In regards to the roles in which you're speaking, there is actually, kind of like the army, there's actually different levels of authority and anointing specifically to your call. So it's not just like, hey, you're a teacher, hey, you're a pastor, hey, you're a prophet. That's cool, we're all equal to some degree, but there is a specific anointing um, and peace of God that you have as a teacher or as a prophet that another person does not have. There's a different level that only you can give that another cannot that make sense? So it is very intentional and specific. While we all have an anointed specific piece and part to play with the authority given to us. And, and I love that he brought that out. 
And so that means somebody else can't do your job. That means you have to do your job. You can't turn around and say to somebody else, oh, go ahead and do this for me, because it would not have the same effect. And I think many of you guys have seen that when you went to minister to somebody and somebody else on in return got them saved and did the works and then you're sitting back like, wait, wait a minute, I've been working on this person forever. That wasn't your assignment to do. So each one of us have a different assignment that God has tasked us to do. And so no particular position is insignificant and he keeps reminding me of that because a lot of times oh that's too easy I don't want to do that and that's where we find ourselves in position that it's easy to pass it on to somebody else because it looks you know too simple well I don't want to get up early and do that because you know that person already can do it I, I, I make you guys laugh because as we were entering into the time here to where worship was ending, Amanda began to put her hands on the piano and I looked at Bradley and Bradley looked at me and I'm like, all this time? I never knew she could do the little bit that she did do. You know, and I, and I was floored by it. And then I stopped and said, what gifts this woman doesn't have? <laughs> and in that place, the Holy Spirit said, for she is willing to be used. The difference here is you have people who are willing to be used and others who are just like Zachariah, still trying to figure out the greedy. Do you get it? Still trying to figure out the greedy. Why did they greet me like that? Why did he say I'm highly favored? Why did they say that God is looking in my direction? Some of us get so caught up in that particular place and never get to the place that God is seeking to speak profoundly in the inside of you because you're so floored by the greeting. And what was the greeting for Mary again? Some of us so busy caught up in, what did I do to become highly favored? I didn't do nothing. You answered the call. Mm -hmm. You answered the call. Because not everybody answered the call. And he says, not only is it that you answered the call, He said, you constantly desire me. Just as much as I desire you. He said, would not you look at that as something that's great? He said, look at it from the world perspective. When you got a guy or a girl that likes you, isn't that good? They're like, oh my God, that person liked me and I don't know why. I ain't done nothing like that to get that person. But when you find somebody that likes you and you don't know why, you're like, here they come again. Why are they calling me? And you get excited because 
of how they're treating you. And God is literally saying, I'm much more than that. I'm much more to you than that. And if you can really see what I'm saying today, then you'll understand where I'm taking you. Let's go a little bit further in Mary. Mary? Yes. I'll start with uh, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Okay, did you hear the next part? Mm -hmm. He said, you who are highly favored. He said, I'm with you. You know how we feel like sometimes we got to shake people off? He's literally saying, I'm with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He said, I need you to say to them this. You have found favor with me. First he told you you're highly favored, and now he's telling you that you found favor in his sight. He said, listen to what I'm saying. And he says, and just as I moved with Mary and Zachariah, so am I desiring to move through you. And then he says, will you open your heart to see what I'm saying? Will you allow the words that are being spoken as scripture to be being read to be received fully on the inside of your vessel. That I may open you up to the things in which I am destined for you to walk in. He said, hear me as I speak. Let not your heart be troubled. He said, believe in me. He said, for in my house there are many dwelling places. And where I am, you shall be as well. He says, I have chosen you. He says, see me picking you up from among many. And for some reason, he says, a trillion stars, but yet your light shines brighter. And I have chosen each one of you.
He says, for the greeting I am sharing with you today is not hard for you to receive. He says, so digest it. And as you digest it, accept it. And now as you accept it, walk in it. And he said, walk with me. And I will show you what I have laid out and destined for you. He said, not for someone else, but for you. He said, what I individually call you to do. And then he said, do not you see. He told me to go back to Amanda. And as he began to show me Amanda, he's, he's put all of these unique tools and all she's doing is activating them. He says, she's no different. He said, if you would trust me, you can play a tune as well. If you would trust me, you can speak to many. If you would trust me, you will cause the heart of man to turn to me. He said, it is so important that you stop looking at yourself as one who is insignificant. And he said, and embrace my greatness. He said, say to him just like this. You know how we, we are in these positions whereby sometimes we want to be promoted, then we look at ourselves in places that we want, and you said, but yet I have this, and I have that, and I haven't done this. And the Lord says, it's not about what you haven't done, what you're striving for, or what you will never achieve. It's about what I'm doing in you. Get this, get this, get this, get this. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Rest in my word. He said, as you begin to look at Mary, she had a willing heart, and so do you. And then it keeps saying, hear me. So let's go a little bit further. But she wasn't concerned with what he's telling her. Because she was okay with it. She just was, whoa, it was a strange reading. Verse 32. He will be great and we, sorry, I'll start again. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, 
The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I, I want you to see something here. Now, she was engaged with Joseph. She didn't even take into consideration the relationship she had with him. You know how we get caught up and focused on everything? And the Holy Spirit is literally saying now, all I want you to do is focus on me. She didn't say, what about Joseph? She just needed to understand how it was going to take place. And then once instructions were given to her, she embraced it. He said, say this again. Once the instructions were given, she embraced it. Holy Spirit says this house has been given instructions. And he says that some of you still struggle to embrace it. He said, you are for outreach. And he said, and you have to embrace it. He says, as you reach out, I will pull them in. As you connect, I will cause them to connect with me. And he said, do you not see that it's going to take you to get outside of your comfort zone to reach them? He said, you may think that this is a difficult task. He said, but I have prepared you and you have everything that is needed for the journey and which I have for you. He said, in this journey, there will be things that I shall provide for you because they need to make sure you have these things in order to support them. So God needs to make sure you have certain things to support others. What I'm literally saying to you at this particular time is don't worry about the things that you're lacking. He says, I have them. Like whatever you're lacking, he has. And he's literally saying to you, don't worry about it. And he says, trust me. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Did you guys hear that? So even here, he lets her know that I want to make sure that you understand that the message I have for you is sure. And how I'm going to prove it to you is 
you have a family member, Elizabeth, and she's already in her sixth month of pregnancy. So I, I want you to see that I'm serious about what I'm saying to you. And that's what he's trying to get you to understand. He wants you to see that he's serious about what he's saying to you. And he literally says that his word ain't going to fail. Amen. Concerning you. Amen. You get that, right? ties into the beginning of your message when you're talking about how we prepare for things this is a prime example of how not to prepare and how to just look to the Lord because every time every opportunity that Mary had a chance to prepare like oh, okay me and Joseph about to go back home and have this baby she didn't say that she, she asked Gabriel then well like how is it going to happen and then it answers another question it answers it ties into Bible study too when where he tells her um he gives her a reason, to, he gives her ways to believe. Because your question in the Bible said it was like, what keeps you from believing? She didn't even have to worry about the tangible. He's like, I'm going to show you and, and prove to you that this is going to happen. Because like you said, you have a family member who is going to have this baby too. So it, it answers both things that we've just been learning. Because this gives her something to like hold on to, to believe in. Which helps us have faith in what the Lord is telling us. But it was it's a prime example of how not to prepare. She didn't prepare right here. She literally went back and asked the Lord a question like, well, how is this going to happen? And in that, he gives clear and definite and precise insight on how it was going to come to pass. But the funny part about it, even when we get clear and precise insight, we still don't believe it. And so it's so important that we look beyond ourselves into the place that he's calling for. And that it's already in you. We are his word. Amen. And his word is alive. And we are his image. So technically, I saw a bunch of stuff during worship. Maybe I'm going to speak on it later. But in the act of our surrender to the relationship, we allow that living word that is our identity to come into fruition because things are already written. So it's only by that surrender relationship. It's not by our own works. And I think this was a lot based on what Amanda was saying in Bible study also, is that when you are a living vessel, okay? It's not like you're trying to be one. I declare that, I, I speak that into myself, and I know who I am. I am a spiritual being. I'm not trying to be one, I am the spiritual being. Okay, this is who I am. I live in heaven. I don't live on this earth. And this is who I am. So I declare and I speak these things into me because I'm in agreement with everything he has and has spoken concerning me. I'm not over here trying to conjure up things because I know who I am. And I know who I am because I know who he is in me. And so I'm not striving to fix me because I'm not a fixer of me. I accept who I am. I accept my shortfalls, but I trust him with myself. And then I'll just share what I saw. He saw during worship, he showed us on the floor before a stairway that he has given us to go higher, and yet we pound the ground and say, no, I need to get this first before I can go up higher. So it's in a sense of what you were speaking on earlier, is like we're looking to do something else to get to the place where we feel like we can go higher, which is in the essence of control and works. 
I think the Holy Spirit will literally have me, I can't say I think, as you begin to say that, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the story that I shared in Bible study. And I shared this because I then asked him today, like, what was our hindrance in getting into the place of worship? Because we got there, we dropped it, we got there, we dropped it, we got there, we dropped it. And I began to look at the place in which I went to visit. And I, I will not say the name of the place, but in going to visit this particular establishment, coming into this particular place, I was floored. I just knew God was there. And then coming into this particular place, I came looking for him. And I, like I said, I thought I was going to get a word. But I find that there was no word there for me because of the fact that we were starting to stop. We're starting to stop. And we wasn't really allowing the presence of God just to stay in the place and take us wherever he wanted. A lot of people have challenges entering into worship. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm being real, entering into worship. Uh, that's why I always say, what, what moves you? What's your favorite song? You gotta bring it. You gotta play it. And, and then once you get in, you stay there. But you gotta know how to enter into worship without music. You are a instrument of worship. Be that instrument. And, and I know Paul was talking about how I was bugging him, but he was bugging me because he was moving my atmosphere. And the reason why? Because he was doing Martha assignments. Stuff that really didn't matter. It didn't matter if the TQFM sign was hung up or not. It didn't matter. And, and, and in that, everybody participates in worship. Because we go higher as everybody surrender. And during the end of our song, if you notice, we went up higher. And I said, Lord, what is it? Because now I look at this house compared to the house that I was sitting in. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, what is our issue? He said, they have been entertained. And they have to shift. So from the entertainment to shift to where you're now focused and you're going in on your own. Completely different. Isn't it harder when you've got to do the work on your own? We're used to others doing the work for us. And God wants us to be in that place where we do the work. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord trying to get us to understand. Because as you do the work, you answer the call. You understand why you're highly favored. You understand not only why you're highly favored, but why God's chosen you. And what's important for you to do for Him. Hear what He's trying to get us to understand even now. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. 
I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is your child, and blessed is the child you will bear. Let me stop it right there. Did Mary tell Elizabeth she was pregnant? Mm -hmm. Did you guys get that? Yep. So they were in tune with the Spirit. And when you're in tune with the Spirit, others don't have to tell you what's going on. It takes you back to Gabriel. They understood the greeting. And they understood what they were tasked to do. He said, well, you push past where you are and get into where I am. Will you understand the call on your life? And he says, and you understand the things that are necessary for him to share with you. He said, each one of you have a calling card. He said, but I have to push you higher to answer the call. And when he's saying push you higher to answer your call, he's pushing us beyond our flesh. He doesn't want our flesh to be entangled with the greeting card. Because when our flesh and our uh, souls are entangled with it, we tend to delude it. And so what he's trying to get you to do at this particular place, because if you really heard, he was literally saying, I have many dwelling places where I am. He brought in scripture. And he was quoting that scripture, rather he was reading the scripture to me as I was quoting it to you guys. And he was reading it to me word for word. And I was like, oh my God, I remember the scripture. But as he was reading it to me word for word, he was literally saying, come up higher. Come up higher. Get past where you're resting. Resting. That you may hear and see what I have for you. And, 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 and hearing and seeing what he has for you, I want to make sure that you understand. I see in some of your homes that God has an angel posted waiting to have a conversation to help you into the place that you are to go. He's been sitting there waiting on you. He can't speak, he can't move until your attention in the spirit is where it's supposed to be. So he's literally standing there and he can't do anything and, and I know you're crying out for help 
in some areas of your life and God is literally saying that he has already brought you through is for you to stop looking at the areas where you're trying to get through and recognize you're already through and to embrace what he has because the one that's posted is waiting to have a conversation with you. He said, do not you see? And sometimes some of you are so smart enough to glance that you know something is present, you know something that's there, but you can't get whatever's there and post it and waiting for you because flesh keeps speaking. And you know what some of our flesh do? It talks us out of the visitations. It focuses us upon our shortfalls. And rather than focusing on what God says about you and the greeting he just gave you, you tend to cling to the things that don't exist. Greater in him, greater in him, greater in him. As Pastor was talking, I just saw so many gifts that he's put into everyone. I see those little tongues of fire over everyone's head. I see that he's made you so much more than you can ever imagine. But there's something that's holding you back. And it's that you've created in your mind this idea of what you should be and where you should be. And that thing, you keep taking back and saying, but God, I wanted to do this, but God, why am I not there? I wanted this, and, and why not? And the surrender is, if he put that vision in your heart long ago, it doesn't mean that it will never be fulfilled. It just means that it may not be for right now. And that there's something else right now that you have to do so that you can get to that place. But don't let that vision or that thing that, why can't I right now, keep you from what he has for you right now. Why do we get stuck on stuff? You said earlier, instead of getting stuck, why do we get stuck on stuff? I think it's what Sheila said is we have an idea of the image that we are supposed to become, and then we tend to it by our own hands. And so we get stuck in when he's asking us to go higher. When you, recently, one of my thrones in my existing place, I was asked to surrender it, give it up completely. Give it up over to him completely. As I was just getting comfortable, I had to give it over. Why? Why do we, why do, we do that? It's the essence of, of we, we try to, our sustainability is usually within control of our comfort. Right? Exactly. So, why did Jesus gave up his throne, his glory, his place? and came to earth, and then he was the only one worthy to open the scroll that needed to be opened in heaven. So we have to give up our place as well to him, continue to trade it back to him. 
because there's much that has to come through us, but we cannot do it until we completely give everything up to him. And so we need to be able to be in places where we're asking God to crucify, or better yet, we should be crucifying our flesh. Truly laying our flesh on the cross and recognizing nothing else matters. You know, uh, as I was saying, the decorations that Amanda was saying over herself and that she was saying that Emma Starks was saying, these same type of decorations of our declaring, she'll be as we continue to confess these things over ourselves and believe it. And, and, and at one point in time, I used to sit back and say, well, why I keep having to say that to myself? Because I listen to everything that is not good. Don't you get it? We begin to entertain voices that are not good, and we're readily agreeing with the things that are not good. And so if I say these things that are good about me, and they align with the spirit, I'm fully become who I am. I will fully become who I am. And so I know you're feeding, but can you say some of the stuff you said on Friday? Me? Yeah, about what Emma was saying. Um, I've spent many years in this church trying to embrace things that are being said and that God is, is asking us to embrace, but I've been trying to do it by my own efforts. Therefore, I've been trying to do it by the flesh instead of by the spirit. And what um, I've heard Emma Stark say a few times in her messages has been things like, I am a spiritual being. And it's like, you don't have to try to force yourself to be a spiritual being. You just say, yes, that's mine. I take it. And I, I take, even if my I'm not feeling spiritual today, even though I may feel like I'm totally in my flesh, by the spirit, I'm going to embrace this. And it's that simple. And we've been overcomplicating how to embrace things of God. I mean, it says in the word that it is a gift. And so as much as we may feel unqualified, as much as we may feel like we're not there yet, it's as simple as just saying, yes, that's mine. I'm taking it. Thank you. Period. And that's what's most important. Yes, that's mine. That's who I am. So I'm highly favored. Yes, that's who I am. I'm highly favored in Christ. But we, I'm oh, sorry, we would, we would walk away from this and be like, okay, I need to try to believe that I'm highly favored. <laughs> and then, like, we, I talk myself out of that and think, as Pastor mentioned, of all the ways I'm not favored or like, oh, but why would you pick me, blah, blah, blah. So it's as simple as, even now, I am highly favored. Thank you, Lord. I receive that. I'm embracing that in my life. And, and you're declaring that into the atmosphere. You're saying amen. And it's that simple. And you're not in that preparation to put yourself to be highly favored. Just as I was saying, you know, uh, about all the preparation that came in for these two kids to come forth. Even though they had both different preparation, they both were well received. And that's the end. It wasn't about the preparation. It was them being received. 
And so it's so important that you understand God receives and welcomes and accepts you. He's already made the preparation so that you don't have to make it. He's already done what is necessary so you don't have to go into it yourself. And if you recognize the preparation we've been putting forth, we are not consistent in what we do for ourselves. Okay, I'm going to do this. No, I decide I'm going to do this. Oh, today I'm going to be this person. No, tomorrow I'm going to have this career. No, I decide to go back to this career because that one didn't feel right to me and we're all over the place. But I love the consistency of our Lord because his preparation and his plan never changes. And so therefore, as we continue to listen to this message, I want to end with trying to get to the place that he's trying to make sure that all of you guys understand. When she heard and she confirmed, so she literally went to her cousin. I'm sure after she heard that message, that, hey, that God never, never failed, she immediately went to her cousin not to confirm the message, but to just be in agreement in his presence. They wanted to be in agreement in his presence. Like, you know, like when God is so great, you run to somebody that's in agreement with the presence of God. And so you see two people in agreement, and in that place of agreement, what's happening? The child is leaping on the inside because they understand everything that's going on. The child in the womb is understanding the visitation as well. Wow, isn't it awesome? Wow. Well, I stopped because the Holy Spirit said, look at that. This child has yet to come through the birth canal, but yet understands the visitation of the Lord. He said, do not you see that your spirit is aligned with me? Amen. He said, now put off your flesh and accompany me in the spirit. Out from over there. I did go. That just um, confirms when you said that, that it was a it hadn't even come out of the canal, and how a lot of people don't believe that they're a real baby and they couldn't have an abortion because it's not real. It just proves to you that he understood because he could feel the Holy Spirit and he knew, so they are alive inside of there. I, I just it just came in my heart to say that. Praise God. I'll read verse forty-two and on. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. But, but in here, she did not. Holy Spirit gave her the mother of my Lord. 
Why am I so favored? You see God saying the favor again. Okay, so even in her being favored, she didn't get the same greeting, do you get it? She didn't get the great, same greeting, but he gave us that greeting of favor, right? And when you begin to look at it, that same greeting of favor, he's imparted on us. But then you have Elizabeth, and she's talking about the favor of the Lord. She has that same greeting. She said, will you not see it's how I welcome my children in? He said, do you not see how I stamp each one of them with my approval? A lot of times we find ourselves in a place where we're so concerned about what we're not doing. But God's approval causes us to step into fully what he's doing. And the more you begin to look at him and the more you begin to declare the things over you, You'll find yourself coming away from the things that you're not doing. Or the things that displeases you. That you believe that displeases him. Lord, open their eyes that they may see what they spoke in today. Verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is he that would believe that the Lord would fulfill what is promised to you. <clears throat> he said again, this is about you walking beyond where you are today. And as you walk beyond. I see some of us just falling over a cliff. And God is taking care of you. You're suspended in Him. And you're no longer trying to do it by your own hands. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has fulfilled the hungry, he has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home.
Let's go back up to the top. And all I need is the greeting from Zechariah, where the angel speaks and then what he says. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And so the Lord literally said to Zechariah, because he did not believe, he would be silent until everything comes to pass. Why did I bring that up? His unbelief hindered him so much that God took away his voice. I used to always look at this in a negative, like, oh my God, Lord, you took away his voice. But sometimes God has to take away our voice of unbelief and begin to impart his spirit of truth in us that we may stand and believe in the things in which he has called for. And so even in this message, the Lord wanted me to basically point out because his unbelief hindered him. His unbelief allowed him to miss what was before him. The greatness, the power of God flowing in and through him. He just couldn't see it. And so as I began to look at this, I said, Lord, take away anything that hinders me from believing. Let not my mouth be a vessel that speaks against you. 
this is what he wanted me to point out. I can clearly see the message as Mary received the same visitation and she was totally in agreement and alignment with what was spoken. But yet Zacharias was in that place that even though he had a miraculous, magnificent visitation, what was in him diminished it. And so I literally had asked my Lord that whatever seeks to diminish your presence in me, I surrender it to you even now. That I may not be one that questions, but be one that receives everything that you desire for me to understand and to accept. And I'm not in that place where I'm challenging, but I have a willing and accepting heart for all the things that you have planned, even now for me. I know and I accept the greeting today. And that greeting is, I'm highly favored by you. Not only is it that I'm highly favored, but I am accepted by you. And so therefore, I surrender anything that would hinder me from stepping into the places that you've called for. choose to be crucified. I choose to let go. I choose to embrace the I keep hearing this over and over and over and over that we want to receive this but we have a condition the Lord, as in we are holding something against him that we are almost requiring if we do this, or if we say, crucify me, but I really need this, I want this, and we have to let that go, completely. Whatever we're holding against him or requiring of him, even that, we have to, even if it is, even if you're in your thoughts, you would say, this is good, I need this, we have to get, we have to surrender that completely on the altar. We have to give up everything and let him in fully because we are, as she said, we already are highly favored. We already are in the, in the highly high realms. So why are we in this place? We have to relent and let him in all the way. No strings attached. Complete surrender. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. Please add on or correct me if I'm, if I'm not saying this correctly, but what I saw and heard in the end about Zachariah and, like you said, the grace of silencing his mouth, even if you are in a place where you feel like, I'm still struggling to surrender, I'm still struggling to believe, it's like 
even refraining from speaking the negative over yourself is a, like, that is the best thing you could do. Like, all it takes is a mustard seed. And if you're like, you know, I don't even know how to get there, but I receive. And I'm going to stop speaking the negative out of my mouth. God will still perform his word. And it's just you getting out of the way and not hindering him anymore. And being like, you know, I don't even know if I believe these things. I don't even know if this is going to happen. But I'm going to stop trying to speak against what you're doing. That alone is a huge step in allowing God to still move. And I praise God because I think all of you guys got it. And so in closing, even as each one of you heard, and not only that you heard the message, today you're surrendering every area that hinders God from moving. Just as he took it away from him. So what's he asking you to surrender it? And so Holy Spirit, in this particular place, what is the prayer that you would pray? I cannot do it without you, Lord. So therefore, I surrender my will to you. Do in me what you please. And I will accept it. This I ask in Christ Jesus' name. And if you're that new person that said that, I want you to take it a step further. And I want you to invite him into your heart. Ask him to be your Lord. Ask him to be your Savior. And as you ask him to be your Lord and Savior, offer up everything. Everything that you may be contending with, just literally say, Lord, is yours. And see yourself lifting your hands and releasing it unto him. Whether it may be your anger, whether it may be your fear, or whatever it is, you know what it is better than me. Release it to him. And as you release it to him, you ask him to replace it with his love. His power. And most of all, ask him to cover you. And keep you from this day forward. And if you ask of him these things, see it as done. Not something in process, but see it as done. And as you see it as done, thank him. I call him my Lord. I'm sure in time, you will develop a true relationship with him. But right now, let's seal this in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' mighty name, it is so. And I ask that each one of you be blessed as he continues to forge you forward in him. In Jesus Christ's name, see you soon.
If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.